We're doing a one-part uh, message today called Where I'm At. And I don't know about you guys, if you've ever had a time in your life where suddenly it seems like something you are missing comes into focus. You know what I mean? Like you're going through life and all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know, this one area of my life kind of just, I got distracted or I just wasn't seeing what I thought I, you know, maybe should be focused on or would be focused on at this point in life. And so, you know, once in a while you just sort of sit back and like, oh man, how, how did I forget about this, you know? Or like, like, how did I lose my vision for this? And that happened to me recently where suddenly there was this aspect of my life and I was like, wow, like I've kind of let this slip and I really got to get back on top of this and I got to get this back into my life in a big way. And of course I'm referring to Cinnabon. And um, a few weeks ago I was just like, man, I haven't had it in so long. And I was actually in the mall, we were shooting the Easter video and I walked by it and I was like, oh my gosh, I got to get this at some point. And I didn't get it that day. So I just couldn't get out of my head then. And I was like, what am I going to do? And so I started researching, and I knew that, obviously, there was a Cinnabon at the Smith Haven Mall, which is just a stone's throw from my place of dwelling. And I'm like, the Lord has ordained this. I mean, this is, in fact, it's the only one in Suffolk County. So, like, the anointing's on this. And so, you know, I'm like, wow, i got to figure this out. So I, I, one day I meant to go. I couldn't go. The next day I was driving by. I had the time to go, but my, like, diet won out and was like, don't do it, Doug, you know. So, like, I didn't go. And when I got home, I was literally out loud yelling at myself for not getting it because I wanted it so badly. And I, I'm just sitting here like, why am I opposing the Lord's will? You know, I mean, obviously he set this up, you know. And so I end up going, and I, I, I not only got Cinnabon, I got something that they call, you probably haven't seen this yet, it's called the center of the roll. The center of the roll. It is basically, they bake the thing, they take the outside layers off that kind of get burnt and crispy and brown, and they just give you the gooey goodness on the inside, you know. And I ate it, and the Lord was pleased, and it was just an amazing, amazing thing. And I just, I, it was funny though, like, like I'm obviously joking, but there was like a kind of a scary level of like obsession with this for those couple of weeks. And as you guys know in life, often we get sort of obsessed about certain things that we don't have, you know. We, we start to really want something, and it's like, man, I, I wish I had this, or I wish this were true of me, and, and we become discontent with what we do have because we're thinking about that one thing we don't have. And sometimes it's stuff, right? Sometimes our fill-in-the-blank goes like this. I will be happy when I get blank, you know, when I get my hands on blank, whatever the blank is for you, right? Sometimes, though, it's about being somewhere in life or attaining some achievement in life, you know? And so the fill-in-the-blank becomes I will be happy when blank happens, right? When I finally see that come to fruition in my life, I will have arrived. And I think anything short of that, we become really discontent. We become really unhappy with where we're at. And I think this can happen in all different kinds of ways. But we look around and go, where am I at with all this stuff? Where, where am I at with, with these kind of goals and visions and things I thought I would have and places I thought I would be by now, you know? I mean, some examples, I think money, right? Sometimes we, we think that certain dollar amount is going to finally make us feel secure, which is a complete myth, right? If you've ever set this goal before. I mean, I remember being in college and thinking, man, you know, when I get a full-time job, I'm just going to have all this extra money to do all this extra stuff with. And then you get the full-time job, and it's like, man, if only I could get a raise, and if only, right? And this whole money thing becomes an, an issue where we're just wanting to get more. Sometimes it's, it's our health, you know? Like when I'm finally healthy, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be able to live life again. But right now, I'm just, I'm sick and I'm kind of stuck. Sometimes it's freedom from some kind of, you know, almost prison we feel like we're in. And it's a prison of maybe waiting or a prison of being stuck in a circumstance we don't want to be stuck in. And again, we're just kind of like, when am I going to get past this? I, I just need to get on the other side of this prison. Some of us, it's a season of suffering. 
And it's just, wow, this is, life is so hard. Life is so incredibly hard. And, and how am I going to get past this and be okay? We struggle with that. For some of us, and this is a big one in our church, we've got a lot of young people, which is awesome, but singleness, right? Singleness, that season of singleness is tough for so many people because you're wanting that next phase or maybe you're dating and somebody's dragging their feet. <laughs> I'm not mentioning any names, you know? And so dragging their feet on that, popping that question, and that could be so hard. And, and it's just so, so interesting because in this culture, I just saw a guy get a dirty look. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm not going to say who it was. I'm going to not even make eye contact. Anyway, but in our culture, this whole singleness thing is such a huge deal. And I actually think, you know, I do a lot of weddings, which I really enjoy doing weddings. But I think we should stop calling them weddings. And, and, and on the day, like when it's all done, like the guy is just going to get up in front of everybody and he's going to beat his chest and say, I have slayed my singleness. Like just, it's going to be this manly thing. We'll burn some stuff and eat some beef jerky. It'll just be this awesome. Because it's just this hurdle, it seems, for single people to get past. And sometimes it's like, I'm not going to be happy until this happens. Some of us, it's just a season of waiting, you know, I hate, 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 hate to wait. And some of us are waiting on a bunch of different things right now. We're waiting for school to be done. We're waiting for a job to be done so we can move on or a current job position. We're waiting for an offer to come in. We're waiting for test results to come back. We're waiting for someone that we care about to you know, move forward and make, make a move in a relationship or a friendship and reach out. It's been a long time and, and we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And we grow discontent. And we become unhappy where we are. Some of us, actually, it's almost the exact opposite problem of everything I've brought up so far. Some of us, as we get older, we actually don't have this issue of wanting time to almost speed up and get, get going already. We, we, we become discontent because we want life to slow down a bit. And we're thinking retirement, and we're thinking, what now? And it's easy to become discontent there as well. And so we have all these needs, and we struggle to be content. And I am right there with you. I wrote this message a while back, and for whatever reason, it kind of just got put on hold. And i got to tell you, since I wrote this, I have struggled with contentment. There have been times I've been frustrated at life and frustrated at being stuck in certain things, and, and maybe it's with you know, relationships or jobs or financial issues or Kelly's health or all. I mean, you just look around. It's kind of like, I thought we'd be further along by now, you know? And so I think you can relate. And the reason this is so important to talk about is really a few reasons. First off, when we are discontent, we are miserable. Like, we're absolutely miserable when we're unhappy with where we are and with what we have, aren't we? Like, none of us wake up in the morning and go, my goal today is just to be unhappy. That's just what I want to do today. I want to wish I was further along, but I'm not. So that's kind of my goal is just to spend this day just really down the dumps, man. None of us do that. But you know what else none of us realize? Is not only are we miserable when we're discontent, we're also miserable to be around, Ask your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your pets. They know these things, right? I'm, I'm telling you, ask around. You will find out as you are unhappy and discontent, man, you are not a fun person to be around. You know what else is true? And I, we don't think about this enough. What else is true is that when we're discontent, we are very likely not doing the things God wants us to do or reaching the people he wants us to reach. Because when we're discontent and we're unhappy and we're waiting, 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 waiting for what we don't have yet, we very rarely go, man, who can I help? Who can I bless? Who's God want to reach through me today? And so God has so much better for you and for me. And what happens when we're not content is we're looking at just that one thing we don't have and we're missing the billions of things God has given us. And so today I want to talk with you about this. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a struggle too, right? If you're in here today and you're not sure what you believe about God and all that, 
I mean, this is a struggle for you too. This is just a human struggle. It's not a Christian or a non-Christian struggle. And so maybe you've never thought about what God has to do with all this and what God might want to say about all of this. And so we're going to read some really powerful verses in Philippians chapter 4 today. And Paul wrote these letters to his friends in a place called Philippi. He actually started the church there, and then he kind of kept in contact with them, and he would write them. And this is one of the letters we have now in Scripture. And in verse 10, Paul says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, what is Paul saying here? Paul is actually thanking the people for sending him a gift. Okay, And he says, look, I know that life circumstances got in the way and I had some needs. You weren't able to get, you know, get me what I needed and, and that's okay. I'm just thankful that you've blessed me now. But Paul has something new. Think about that. Paul has something new. Something he didn't have before. And, and here he is in the next part. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. Paul says, look, I'm not in need. I'm grateful you sent what you sent, but I'm not in need. I'm not asking for anything here. And then he tells us why he's not asking for anything. This is incredible. This is our goal in life. You ready for this? He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Are you kidding me, Paul? Whatever the circumstances? That sounds like preacher talk, Paul. Come on, really? Any circumstance you can be content in? In fact, Paul, if we could just ask this question of you, why should we even listen right now? Like, what part of your life has been so difficult that you had to learn contentment? Well, can I remind you where Paul wrote this from? A prison cell. Paul is telling us from a prison cell that he has learned to be content wherever he is. Okay, that makes me want to lean in a little bit. That makes me want to listen a little bit. Paul tells us throughout Philippians that he's in chains. He literally is he's under house arrest here and is likely chained to a Roman guard 24-7. That's where Paul is when he tells us, hey, I have found out how to be content. Other times in Scripture, we find Paul was beaten, arrested, left for dead. All kinds of horrible things happened to Paul. And so for this man, with all that he has been through, to be able to say, I got a secret to share with you today about contentment. Every single one of us should be listening in, whether we believe in Jesus or not. This is a powerful, powerful thing Paul's going to share with us today. Because here's Paul. I mean, Paul's one of the most talented, gifted people who's ever lived. And Paul was sent to like start churches and preach to those who needed to hear about Jesus and heal people. I mean, Paul was, I mean, superstar Christian and yet incredibly humble and grounded. And so if there's anybody who could have gotten frustrated, like, come on already, I will be happy when, fill in my phone in the blank, Paul could have said, is when I get out of prison, if there's anyone who should have you know, been frustrated about that. I mean, if I had been Paul, I would have been driven crazy sitting in a jail cell chained to a guard. And yet here Paul's saying, I I know how to be content. I know what it looks like. Verse 12. He says this, I know what it is to be in need. And Paul had all kinds of needs. He's somebody that literally has every need you have. So if you're here today and you're going, man, this guy can't relate to me. Paul, all right, great. It's great you're content, but you don't know what I feel. No, Paul does know what you feel. Paul had times he needed money, didn't have it. Like Paul would literally go out on missionary journeys and, and God told him, hey, just go and I'll lead you. I'll provide for you. And somebody would just let him stay in their house for one night and then he'd go somewhere else and stay in another house for some night. And so Paul knew what it was to be in need of money. In fact, he was a tent maker for part of his ministry. And so he would be, you know, preaching one minute and then making some tents and selling them and making money to keep on going the next. So he understood what it was to be in need of money. Paul understood what it was to be in need of healing, to be sick for a season. 
Scripture tells us there were different times when Paul had physical ailments. Paul understood what it was to need freedom from imprisonment. And not imprisonment like you and I know, where we feel imprisoned by a circumstance. No, literal imprisonment. And Paul understood what, it was need, what his need was to be uh, freed from suffering. I mean, the guy went through so much. Ready for this? Paul knew what it was like to need strength for his singleness. Paul never married. And so Paul understood that tension and living in that world that some of you live in today where you just want to get past that. Paul understood that. Paul understood patience in seasons of waiting. Paul, you ready for this? Older people in the room understood what it was to grow older. And as he grew older, to wait and wait and wait because Paul spent a lot of the near end of his life sitting in a jail cell. And from a jail cell, Paul tells us, I know how to be content. Well, how, Paul? How? How do we do this, right? Because we can all relate to those struggles. We can all relate to wanting to be ahead of where we are right now. Then Paul goes on. He says, not only do I know what it is to have need, but I also know what it is to have plenty. And, and, you know, this is tricky because I think sometimes when we have plenty, we're actually still in a dangerous place because often... When we have plenty, we take our eyes off Jesus, don't we? Like when we don't have a lot or we're in great need, often we're more likely to reach out to God, help me God, I'm suffering, I'm in pain, I have great need. But sometimes it's actually in the good times we struggle to stay near Jesus. And sometimes in those times, we even struggle to stay content because it's like, oh, I got some money, now I need some more. Oh, I got some success, now I need some more, right? Success is like a drug sometimes. You get high off of some of those accomplishments, but what happens when those accomplishments fall apart? So often, so do we, right? And Paul is saying, hey, I know how to be content when I have a lot. And Paul knew seasons of provision, of health, having grace for his singleness, relief from his suffering, release from his prison cells. And so Paul is saying, hey, no matter where you are, I can relate to you, and I can tell you contentment is important. In fact, I think it's as important to be content in the good times as it is in the bad. And so Paul is helping us realize more and more that there is something we can find, something we can sink our teeth into that will help us with our struggles to want to be where we aren't. You see, what I love about Paul, and I think this is so appealing to you and me, because we don't live this way so often, is that Paul's joy didn't go up and down like a roller coaster, because his joy wasn't based on what he did or didn't have. And that's where I think kind of like the two-by-four smacks us between the eyes. Because I think that is where we wrestle every single day of our lives. My joy is so often linked to stuff or achievement, isn't it? My, my, my peace and, and my self-worth is so often linked to what I've accomplished and are things going well and, and are, is my world at peace around me. But Paul is saying, you can give me the world with the peace all around me or you can throw me in the midst of hell on earth. I know what it is to be content. Powerful. So different than the world we live in. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in every, any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And so Paul gives us more examples. Hey, I've had lots of food and no food. I've had places to live and no places to stay. And I found the secret to be content. And then Paul really gets to it. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, verse 13, he says, I can do all this through him 
who gives me strength. Paul says, my secret to contentment is I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Now, most Bibles, and maybe the one you're reading now, says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? And, and that is one of the most misunderstood verses in the entire Bible. Like sometimes people look at that like, oh, this means I can do anything. I'm bulletproof. I'm a superhero. I can do whatever I need to do because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember years ago, there was this show on TV called The Contender. And it was this like, sounds strange, but this boxing reality show. And these two guys would come into the ring and they would fight it out. And Sylvester Stallone and Sugar Ray Leonard hosted this. And if you lost, you were you know, voted off or kicked out. And if you, you know, won the match, you advanced and you could stay on the show. And there was this one guy on the show who was a Christian. And he, you could tell he really loved Jesus and he was sincere, but he misunderstood this verse. And every time he was in an interview, they're like, hey man, how do you think you're going to do this competition? He would go, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that was his verse. And he believed because he had that verse in his pocket that he was going to win this battle. He was going to win this fight. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me punch somebody in the face till they fall over, right? Well, watching the show, what's going to happen? This Christian lost badly. I'll never forget seeing the one guy walk off and he went off and talked with Sugar Ray Leonard and the guy's telling him, hey, great job, great fight, you know. And then the Christian walks down the hallway of defeat and there's Sylvester Stallone standing out there, hey, good fight, man, good job. <laughs> that was like, more like Eeyore doing Sylvester Stallone. But he falls, this Christian falls into Sylvester Stallone's arms crying, apologizing. I'm so sorry I didn't win. What happened? How, how did this verse let him down? Doesn't this verse tell us we can do everything through Christ who strengthens us? No, see, the way this verse is phrased right there on the screen is perfect. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Not all things. I mean, I'm 40 years old. I'm not going to go, because I, I know that verse, become a major league baseball player. Right? I can't do that through Christ. But I can do all this. Well, Paul, what are you talking about? What's all this that you're talking about? Paul's going, all this that we were just talking about. What do you mean what, all this? All this is the things I was just sharing that I can do times of plenty, but, but times of great need. Times where I have a lot and times where I have nothing. Times when are really good and times when are really bad. I can do all this, all that. Ups, downs, good, bad, being where I want to be, being way, way, way far from where I want to be. I can do all that through Christ. Who gives me strength. So Paul says, hey, give me money or take my money. I have Jesus. That's my secret. I have Jesus. You can, you can beat me. Or you can set me free. I have Jesus. Single, I have Jesus. Getting older, I have Jesus. Suffering, sick, I have Jesus. In prison, it's okay. I have Jesus. In fact, look what Paul wrote just a few chapters earlier. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul says, listen, I'm in here and I'm okay because I have Jesus and Jesus is using that I'm in here. There's an interesting thought. Those places that we feel stuck in, maybe, just maybe, Jesus is using those places. And I love Paul. 
he was dialed in enough and content enough that he could look around outside himself and see how God was using his waiting. That's where I struggle. Because I just want to go. Come on, God, can't you see? It'd be so much better if. It'd be so much better if we were down there. Why am I still here? What's going on here? I shouldn't be here anymore. I should be there. Because if I was there, then I could really impact some people. Maybe God's saying, I want you to impact people right where you are. Right in the midst of what you're going through. Right in the midst of the suffering. Right in the midst of the need. Right in the midst of the want. Right, right in the midst. Right where you are. We wrestle with this. And so we would say, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fighting for this job promotion. Great, great. Go for it. But if it doesn't happen, maybe God wants to do something right in the midst of where you are and you should not be miserable because that's where you still find yourself. Maybe, God, I need to be healed. God, come on, I've been going through this long enough. Okay, yeah, man, we believe that God heals. We believe he does the impossible. I pray for my wife 10 billion times a day. I can't wait till she's healed. But what's God going to do right now while she's not? But I'm single, God. I mean, everybody around me is getting married. Everybody's got a boyfriend, girlfriend, everything's looking good. But Yeah, but what does God want to do in you and through you right now? God, I'm getting older. I'm a little scared about that. What do you still have for me to do? A lot. Be content in me. Paul was okay no matter what because he had Jesus. And then you go, but why is Jesus enough? Like, okay, so Paul has Jesus, great. Why does that make everything else okay in his life? Because in Jesus, Paul had forgiveness of sin. In Jesus, Paul had joy. In Jesus, Paul had peace. In Jesus, Paul was unconditionally loved. In Jesus, Paul was going to heaven instead of hell when he died. And that's what we have. And that's why Jesus is enough. That's why we're able to look at what Jesus has done for us and say, okay, this is really hard, and this is not where I thought I would be. This is where my family... I thought my family would be. This isn't where I thought I'd be in my career. This isn't where I thought I'd be living. And these aren't the possessions I thought I would have at this point in my life or the bank account. But have Jesus. Have Jesus. This was Paul's secret to contentment. He learned to treasure Jesus so much that it just overshadowed all the stuff he didn't have. And you know what? This has been true in your life at different points. There are different things you get so excited about that they overshadow any, any of the kind of the bad situations that you might go through, you know? I mean, just a silly story. I remember years ago, I was in Pennsylvania, and I was supposed to drive back and meet my dad at a Mets-Yankees game, him and a couple friends. And as I was driving back to Pennsylvania, my car said no. Anybody's car ever just said no? Just like, no, I'm done, <laughs> right? And so right about by Newark Airport, my car said no, and so I drove off the ramp, and I'm sitting on this ramp. I wasn't actually near the airport, but I could, like, see it, you know? And I have no cell phone. I'm a 20-year-old college student. Um, I, I, I ran as far as I could, found a payphone outside somewhere in like a runway. I'm like directing, you know, <laughs> hey, Dad, you know. And so, hey, Dad, you know, I, my car said no. What, what do we do? And so he said, well, I'll, I'll be there. He, he rent, rents this dolly thing, hooks up to the back of his, of his car. He's like, sit tight for a couple hours. So I got no cell phone. I got nothing to do. I'm just sitting there. I got no GPS. not like I can... You know, just say, hey, here, let me share my location with you, Father. You know, like, I couldn't do that. And so I'm just sitting there waiting. I, I would go back every hour or so and call. And then finally he said, call me back in about, like, 20 minutes. I think I'll be close. And so as I'm on my way back to the payphone, which is about a mile from my car, it starts pouring rain. Pouring, of course, right? Thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. You're going to make it up. You're going to orchestrate Cinnabon in a few years, Lord. But, but for now. And so I'm walking to the payphone. I'm drenched. I'm fi- finally starting to 
guide my dad to where I am, which was fun. He was like, I see a water tower. He's like, me too. It doesn't really help, you know, <laughs> okay? Uh, let's get you a little closer. And so we found this location, that location. And next thing I know, dad comes rolling in. It was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And he put the car on the thing. I'm soaked. Hours from home. Car's broken down. And do you know what we did? We went to the Mets game. Of course we did, right? Because we had Mets tickets. And I sat there wet watching the Mets play. I don't, doesn't matter who won, people. It's not really about that, right? Okay. Just going to say that. And so the, I, don't, I really, thinking back, all I remember is laughing with my dad and my friends and enjoying the game. I don't really remember thinking, oh, man, my car broke down. What am I going to do? I love a change of clothes. Like, I just had a lot of fun. Why? Because what I treasured overshadowed what I didn't have. What I treasured overshadowed the bad things that are going on in my, on in my life. And Paul here figured out how to treasure Jesus like that. So that in a prison cell or preaching to a bunch of people who would literally throw stones at him or being beaten and left for dead or being betrayed by some people that he really loved or having not enough money to go around or, or any of those things, he could say, I have Jesus. I have Jesus. And, 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 you know, of course, this doesn't mean that we just look at the difficult situations in our life and we stop praying about them. No. We, st- we keep praying, but, but now we can say, I can do financial strain through Christ who gives me strength. I can do sickness and suffering through Christ who gives me strength. I can do my singleness through Christ who gives me strength. I can do retirement through Christ who gives me strength. I can finish high school through Christ. Suddenly, we find grace. Suddenly, we're content because before, what we could think about was the one thing we didn't have, but now what I have overshadows what I didn't. What I have overshadows what I might still wait for. So what I think, if I could just sum this all up in one phrase, I think what Paul is really saying here is if I have Jesus, I have, re- I have what I really need. If I have Jesus, I have what I really need. Like, I, I would still like some other things. Absolutely, God would be great if he came through in this way and that way. But, but the reason I can have a smile on my face, the reason I can be joyful, the reason I can be passionate, and I can think about other people, and I can care about the people. And, and Paul would preach to the guys he was chained to. It was probably more like the guys were really chained to Paul, honestly, because Paul would preach to the guys in the prison cell he was chained to. And he could do all that because he had Jesus. And that's what he really needed. And so you and I maybe need to start to look around and say, wow, is there just a different way of looking at all this? Not that we minimize our pain, not that we belittle it, not that we pretend it's not there. If you missed the message last week, it was all about that, right? We've got to be real about the pain in our heart and the pain in our life. But suddenly there's just something better to look at, right? Something better to focus on. And so suddenly we, we could say, all right, I may not have a lot of money, but my sins are forgiven. You cannot put a price on that. Maybe I'm still sick, but I feel like Jesus is near me. You can't put a price on feeling close to God, right? Maybe I'm still single, but I have peace. You know how many people that are married, don't have peace. Some people would say I was married until I had peace. Not me, not me. I'm just throwing that out there, right? Okay, don't say amen, you'll get in trouble. Same guy's gonna get a dirty look again from his girlfriend from before, but suddenly you and I can look at life through a really different lens. And I think what we gotta do is we have to start to, to say, okay, on the one hand, here's all the things I wish I had that I don't, but on the other hand, here's all I have in Jesus. And what needs to happen is more and more this needs to outweigh all of this. 
And suddenly we can even begin to say, wow, maybe I need to look at it like this. If I have Jesus, I have what I really need. Anything he gives me beyond himself is simply an extra blessing. And he does that. He gives thousands and thousands and thousands of extra blessings. He does. But our contentment is found in that we have him. Our contentment is found in the fact that we're loved and we're forgiven and we belong and we have peace and joy offered to us every day. So I struggle with this. A few months ago, I was standing over there right before the night service and the band was out here playing. Uh, if you remember the songs, they pierced the heart series we did and they, they did all their medleys and stuff. And I was over there and I was waiting to come out and you know talk, talk that night about the, the Psalms and I just remember really struggling over there because, you know, as a pastor, God puts some, like, dreams and hopes in your heart about, you know, the people on Long Island you could reach and what God could do, just the potential. And I was over there just having a really tough day. I was really discouraged. And so I'm standing off there, and I'm just completely not enjoying the special. We have this, all these ridiculously talented musicians up here playing these songs and doing such an incredible job. And I'm over there, like, having a little pity party back there, you know. And I suddenly start to think about it. I'm like, you know, I work in a church that I love. I work with people that I love. I work and serve alongside people that I love and care for. People are coming to know Jesus, and, 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 and strong Christians are growing deeper in their faith. And, and, and I'm over here, like, having a pity party? Seriously? And, and if that weren't enough, the band's out here playing Creed, who are the most awesome, awful band of the late 90s. And I'm missing it. And so I'm standing there and I just said, I'm not going to miss this. I'm not going to miss this. No, this is too much fun. This is too great. And so I kind of peek through the curtains and I start rocking out. It's a good thing there's not a video camera back there because rocking out ain't always pretty. And rocking out there and, and I, I remember coming out and being able to just, you know, do the night and see God work. And, and later though, I just took my phone and I just sat down and I just wrote a little note to myself that said something like this. When I was single, I wasted so much time wanting to be in relationships and married. And, and I look back 20 years later, and I so regret that. I feel like I wasted so much time because I just wasn't where I wanted to be. And I just wrote, I don't want to make the same mistake again. I don't want to look back in 20 years on this time and say, man, I was doing something so cool. Remember when we met in that school? Yeah, we didn't know where we were going. We didn't know what the next step was. And yeah, it would have been nice to have our own building, but but man, that was exciting. Remember we used to have to set, every, set up every Friday and people would come and we got to hang out and we'd work on that. And then every Sunday night we were exhausted. We would tear it all down. And we'd have, remember the time somebody you know, did this or said that? Remember how, how fun that was? Remember that time we stayed real late and we just talked about different things going on in our lives? And I, I don't want to look back and say, man, I should have enjoyed that more. I should have been content. I should have been excited about what God was doing. How is that true for you? I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I have. I'll be happy when blank happens. Or, I have Jesus, and so I have what I really need. And so I can have joy, and I can be content, and I can stop being miserable for everybody to be around, and I can actually start looking outside myself about who I can impact and who I can bless. Because if I have Jesus have what I really need and anything he gives me above that is simply an extra blessing if you're not a follower of Jesus the reason that we have this hope 
is because Jesus died on a cross for us to rescue us, to remove our sin. We could not save ourselves, and so he came for us to rescue us and make us his own, to offer us unconditional love and to remove our sin from our lives and forgive us. And that's why having Jesus is enough. If you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. And I really encourage you to do that. But I hope that you're challenged and encouraged today to know that you and I can look at all the stuff we don't have and then look back at Jesus and say, if I have Jesus, I have what I really need. Let's pray. God, this is a struggle probably for 100% of this room. I know it is for me. And I just pray that you'll be with us, God, as we struggle to live this out and as we look at the different things in our lives that are painful and are just things we have to wait for, things we don't want to endure any longer. Some of us want time to slow down. Some of us want time to speed up. But I just thank you, God, that we can be okay today in you that we can be joyful and our emotions don't have to go up and down like a roller coaster because it's not about what we do or don't have. It's that we have you. It's that you have rescued us and that you love us. And so we ask God for your help. If you're a Christian, what thing have you been grasping at as your hope instead of Jesus? What situation, achievement have you been saying, when I finally get there, then I'll really be alive. Those are the things we now bring to Jesus and say, God, help me to treasure you more than that. Help me to realize what I have in you. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would just encourage you to pray something like this quietly. Jesus, thank you for coming to save me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. For rising back from the dead to save me. Show me how real you are. Show me how loved I am. Show me what it is to follow you. I thank you. If I have you, Jesus, I have what I really need.